Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author, and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. Now, in the last two episodes, we took a bit of a break because we were celebrating the fact we got to our 100th podcast episode, and that ended up going into 101 because I was taking questions from the Facebook group and answering those. So we've had a bit of a detour, but if you remember back before the 100th episode, we were looking at different property strategies and running through them and thinking about about the strategy itself and where we're going to be finding our deals. And in this episode, I want to look at serviced accommodation. Now, to be completely transparent and honest with you, this isn't something that I personally do myself. However, it's worthwhile thinking about this because there are many investors out there who are generating exceptionally high returns from this strategy. And being a part of the progressive community, I obviously get to hear what's happening. I've got a very good idea of how they're doing it. And if nothing more, I'd just like to whet your appetite and maybe encourage you to find out a little bit more about it. But I'm just saying up front, because, you know, I've got no problem admitting I don't know everything. I always find it very strange, to be honest, when some people assume that I do. Like, why should I? I'm just a normal person. I've been in property for, what, 35 years? Almost 40 years, actually. But it doesn't mean I know everything. Things are changing all the time. And serviced accommodation is a relatively new strategy, which I think is very exciting but it's not one which I do myself, so I'm not pretending to be the great expert. So let's start off, let's have a think about what serviced accommodation actually is. Now, unlike a single let buy to let, with serviced accommodation, you essentially let a property out on a short-term basis, and you let your property out to what we'll call guests rather than tenants, because you're letting the property out usually by the night, or at least on a short period of time. So rather than with, say, a buy-to-let, where you have a six-month tenancy or a one-year tenancy, you may be letting out your served accommodation literally for one night, or it could be for a weekend, or it could be for a week, or you can actually have long-term, short-term lettings, if that makes sense. And I know of many people who are involved in the serviced accommodation sector who get very excited, for example, when a contractor comes along who wants to take the property for six months and you can do that as well. So all things are possible. The thing is, it's very flexible. It's not as rigid as a buy-to-let where you have to have a six-month AST, assured short-hold tenancy, as a minimum. Now, quite often, the type of property you'd used for service accommodation is the same sort of property that you would use for a buy-to-let or a single-let. However, when it's used as as service accommodation, the type of property although it's the same, is going to generate much higher returns. Why? Because the type of fees, which we could call rent, that you can command per night or per short stay, will be proportionately far greater than the amount that you can charge for a six-month or a yearly tenancy. So, for example, it may be that if your serviced accommodation unit is a typical sort of standard buy-to-let, you may get, I don't know, £500 a month for it, depending upon where it is in the country. But you may be able to charge something like £80 per night for it if you're using it for service accommodation. Now, of course, you're not going to necessarily have it occupied every night, but you only need 
a fairly decent occupancy rate for those £80 per night to be more than the £500 per month that you get on a short, a short, short hold tenancy. So all this sounds pretty good, but what are the downsides? Well, in many ways, service accommodation is more of a business strategy than a property strategy in that the amount of work that you need to do is much more intensive. In fact, in some ways, if you think about it, serviced accommodation is much like a little B&B, but perhaps just without the breakfast. And in fact, an alternative name for serviced accommodation could be holiday lets, because in many, many ways, they are very, very similar, if not identical, to the whole concept of a holiday let. So you'll probably want to set your accommodation up a bit like a hotel. You'll need to furnish it. Now, depending upon where you are in the country and depending upon what your tenant profile is, you may furnish your buy-to-lets anyway. But this is going to vary. I mean, for example, I have a portfolio in the northeast of England and none of my properties in the northeast are let furnished. The local market doesn't expect the properties to be let furnished. But it could be that in your area, buy-to-lets are furnished. Regardless of that, you are going to furnish your serviced accommodation. You're going to need to provide all the furniture. You might want to put in a nice TV. You're probably going to be providing, well, you're not probably going to be, you are going to be providing bedding. You're going to be providing towels, tea, coffee, milk and biscuits for your guests for when they arrive, a bit like a, a nice hotel. Just think of it really as being a hotel and you're providing hotel rooms because that's the closest equivalent. And like any hotel, you'll need to clean the rooms and change the linen every time your guests leave, or if they're there for longer periods, you'll need to have a cleaner in and change the linen on a regular basis while your long-term, short-term guests are there. So you're going to need to think about who does all the laundry, who does all the cleaning, who's going to do all the work for you. How are the guests actually going to get in? Are you going to have somebody to do a meet and greet? Are you going to have like a little key box where perhaps you punch in a code, a bit like a safe, and they can get the keys out of that, which could be a way of doing it. All of these things need to be thought about, particularly if you're taking bookings over, say, booking.com or Airbnb, something like that, where somebody could literally book just minutes before they turn up. If somebody books your serviced accommodation at 10 o'clock at night, how are they going to get in? All these things need to be thought about. So with all of this in mind, you're probably going to need a team in place to support you. When we talk at Progressive about having a power team, so you're going to definitely need a power team to help you with the serviced accommodation. Unless, of course, you do it yourself, in which case this will be highly management intensive for you. And you're really creating yourself another job and not an investment. But, you know, the returns are so good, you may say, well, Peter, I don't mind that because it's just a matter of going out, you know, a couple of times a week to let somebody in. I don't mind doing that because the amount of income that those properties are generating makes it well worth my while. So there's more than one way of doing this. There are several models within this strategy that you could adopt. For example, you could choose to have a model where you effectively have, say, a single house that you let as a single entity. So you let out the whole property as once. Maybe it'd be like to a family and you could let the whole property or you could have a single house, which you could almost operate like a, a mini HMO, where perhaps you let each room separately, or perhaps you could have a house which you turn into apartments. There's different ways of doing it, but you want to be very clear as to how you're going to be doing it, because you're probably going to be looking for a different type of clientele. If you have just single rooms which you're letting out, it is going to be more like a hotel. 
If you're letting out a house, which has got multiple bedrooms, but you're letting it to say one family, then you're looking for a different type of a guest. And I know, as I said earlier, a lot of uh, operators in the service accommodation market, for example, get very excited about contractors. Well, you could have contractors sharing the house. It didn't, wouldn't really matter, though, if they just wanted single rooms and they had a, a room each. It's up to you, really, to decide how you want to provide it and how the property is going to work best for you. One thing which you do need to be aware of if you're going to get into serviced accommodation is that you need to be aware that more than likely you're going to need planning. I mean, let's not say more than likely. There may be the odd instance where it's not required, but 95% of the time or more, you're going to need planning. Because under the Planning Acts, this type of property would not be considered to be a normal residential property. It's really a holiday let. And for planning purposes, that's pretty much how they're going to treat it. So you're going to need planning consent. And that's going to impact and affect other things, such as how you finance the property. So when it comes to finance and serviced accommodation, the type of finance that you need is going to be different from the type of finance you'd use for a buy-to-let you're going to need a commercial mortgage. And please, 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 let me just implore you here, please don't go off and buy a property using a buy-to-let mortgage, but with the intention of using it for serviced accommodation. Don't then ignore the planners, and we're going to think about insurance in a moment, but make sure you've got the right insurance. Please do it properly, because if something goes wrong, you're going to be in big, big trouble. And if you go off and buy yourself a property using a buy-to-let mortgage, intending to use it for serviced accommodation, and your mortgage lender finds out, they're rightly going to be quite upset with you, and they're probably going to ask for their money back, which could be rather awkward and slightly embarrassing. Now, I've mentioned my broker, Alistair, on the podcast before, and I know that Alistair has access to a serviced accommodation loan product that looks like a buy-to-let loan product. I think, from memory, I think it's like a 75% loan-to-value based on the bricks and mortar value of the property and not the income. So it's not like a normal commercial mortgage. It's much more like a buy-to-let mortgage than a commercial, but it is specifically for serviced accommodation. So if you think that could be of interest to you, then email me, thepropertyteacher at gmail.com, and I'll put you in touch with Alistair and he can talk you through it and he can help you arrange the finance if you want. But if you don't use a bespoke product like that, you're probably going to be using some kind of a commercial mortgage. And that's what you need to be doing. Use a commercial mortgage. Don't be tempted to try and cut corners, use a buy-to-let mortgage and think you're going to get away with it. The chances are you won't. Another thing you need to think about is things like security and how the shared facilities within the property are going to be used and how they're going to be allocated between the different rooms. And this makes it all slightly more complex than having a single let, but that's why we're earning our higher returns, because we're putting a bit more work in and a bit more effort when making a higher return. And that's the way it should be, isn't it? Now, one stumbling block, which I think a lot of new investors maybe don't appreciate, is that not everybody likes service accommodation and some local authorities are actually trying to restrict the number of service accommodation properties they have in their areas. And so they've brought in restrictions on how many days renting you can actually use a property for. Some local authorities, I think London, as I say, I'm not an expert on this, but I seem to remember, is it London, have got a 90-day rule in place that prohibits properties from being let out for more than 90 days. So you need to check in your local area and find out what's happening there because 
obviously if that's the case it's going to make it rather tricky to run serviced accommodation business if you can only let it out for a quarter of the year and again don't be tempted to try and break the law and to cut corners in my experience people who do that they usually sort of are quite cocky about it at the beginning and making out they're sort of quite clever but they get caught up with eventually and the smile gets wiped off their face and i wouldn't want that to be you so have a look find out what's happening in your area and don't try and cut the corners but it is something to consider if you're thinking of doing service accommodation what is the rule in your area now i mentioned earlier about insurance that's another thing you need to make sure that you have the right insurance in place i mean god forbid that anything terrible happened like the place caught fire but if it did and you haven't got the right insurance in place then you're going to be in big big trouble so make sure again you don't cut corners make sure that you've got the right policies in place tell everybody what you're doing get bespoke insurance which covers serviced accommodation so where are we going to find our serviced accommodation properties well i've said already that they could be very similar to our buy to let properties so the chances are that we're probably going to find them in the same sort of places like we'll find them at the estate agents in the normal way now i wouldn't go into an estate agents and say i'm looking specifically for property which is suitable for serviced accommodation because they're probably not really going to know what you want but if you start looking for properties which are suitable for buy-to-lets, particularly, I would suggest, better quality buy-to-lets, then that's probably the kind of thing you're looking for. But again, you need to understand your target market and who you think is going to be using your properties. Are you buying properties in a city centre, for example, to compete with the local budget hotels? Are you buying properties in an area which is known to be popular with tourists? And so it's going to be people coming on holiday who are looking to use your properties almost like a holiday let there'll be different types of tenants probably who want different types of property so you need to understand what it is that you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to create but chances are whatever you're looking for your local estate agent is going to be the place to start and there is an argument that it's a good thing if your properties are like buy to lets why well without being gloomy about it and actually this is a positive thing i suppose but if it turns out that serviced accommodation actually doesn't work that well in your chosen area then you've always got the capability and the choice to then be able to turn the property back into a buy to let later and not have to keep on with the serviced accommodation you've almost got like a plan b you can use it for service accommodation if that works but if it doesn't work you can then opt to use the properties for buy to let so that could be pretty good as well Another way that we might find our serviced accommodation properties is by doing deals with other landlords and investors. We might buy their properties, especially if we can get a good price because they're selling because of Section 24. And as a quick recap, Section 24 is the provision that George Osborne bought in in 2015, where he decided that going forward from 2015, he's going to restrict the amount of mortgage interest that we can offset against our rent when we're calculating tax particularly income tax now one way around that is obviously to put all of our properties into limited companies i say that i'm recording this just before the next budget that may change it in this budget if it doesn't change in this, this budget and by the way by the time you listen to this you will know but if it hasn't changed then it may change in a future budget so none of these things are set in stone things are changing all the time but at the time of recording the case is that we can put our properties into a limited company and that works but there will be landlords who are selling at the moment who don't want to move their properties or who can't move their properties who are looking to sell 
And so we may be able to buy them at a good price. And if they were rental properties, which they would be, which is why they're selling because of Section 24, they may make good service accommodation properties as well with a little bit of a modification. And by the way, while we're talking about that, I think I've heard it said that Section 24 doesn't actually apply to serviced accommodation anyway, because serviced accommodation is a commercial activity. So you can still offset mortgage interest. But I'm not an accountant, so please check that for yourself. And also, as I say, that could change in any budget. So if it hasn't changed in this last budget, it could change in a future budget. So just keep an eye on that. Another way that we can find our serviced accommodation properties is maybe we can actually rent them off other landlords or rent them off for other property owners and then sublet the properties as serviced accommodation. And we're going to be looking at rent to rent actually in the next episode. So I won't say too much more about that now. So serviced accommodation can be a great strategy. I know a lot of investors in the progressive community who are doing very, very well with it. It's about choosing the right property. It's about understanding who you're going to be letting the property to. It's about making the property attractive enough that people actually want to go and stay there. One of the key things to do is to make sure that it, it's nice and that the photographs that you put up on booking.com or Airbnb or wherever you advertise it make the property look nice so that you attract the right clientele and you attract lots of clientele. But if you can do that, there's absolutely no reason why serviced accommodation shouldn't be a great strategy for you. So there we are, that's a quick canter through serviced accommodation. Another strategy you can consider. Remember at Progressive we talk about 70-20-10. Don't concentrate on just one strategy. We think it's a good thing to actually sort of spread yourself a little bit. You want to put a lot of emphasis into your number one strategy, the 70, but you know maybe the serviced accommodation could be your 20 or your 10, depending upon how you feel about it and depending on what else you want to do. So I hope you found that helpful. I've been Peter Jones. If you want to know more about me, you can come across to my website which is www.thepropertyteacher.co.uk otherwise i'll see you next episode at the progressive property podcast until next time here's to successful property investing <laughs> <laughs>